Hey guys, welcome back. BDC Care here. We're back with season eight, episode 41 of our weekly Q&A videos. Uh, no housekeeping this week, so getting straight into the first question. Uh, this comes from Lazy Takamine. Takamine? Hard to say. I don't know. So that those that word, I should probably should learn how to pronounce it before, is actually also the brand name of a very popular guitar company. And they were well made. The reason why I remember that is okay. I was learning guitar way back when. We picked it up reasonable price. It, like it was a pretty cheap brand new guitar. Yeah. And I was able to resell it like 20 years later for almost twice the price. Mm -hmm. A used guitar. Yeah. So. So there we go. Mm. Uh, and their question is, are you guys watching the Olympics? If not, are there any sports events that does interest you guys? Uh, and this is an interesting question. Um, I have not really followed the Olympics very much, but I've followed mm -hmm. a couple of things. And so there's a few things that have stood out to me. Um, related to the Olympics or just related sports to the era? Olympics? Okay. So I know that this is the first year that skateboarding is part of the Olympics, oh, which is really oh. interesting. And so I saw the clip of the person, uh, I think guy, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, no, well, somebody with uh, a penis anyways, because uh, <laughs> they slammed... Um, they're nuts directly into a bar. Right. And I don't know exactly what part of the process this was. I don't know if this was in the qualifier or if it was like practicing for the qualifier. Right. But so there was a huge spill, a shot directly to the nuts and they ended up coming in fifth still. Right. right. Uh, so just a kind of like a weird surreal event. And apparently Tony Hawk was there in tweeting oh, from wow. like the sides. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess if you're the skateboard guy, he's the royalty, right? Yeah. Like, I right. Mean, he's the OG. Yeah, if you think about who you need at your skateboarding event for the Olympics, right, to, like, right. legitimize it. Like, Tony Hawk would be the skateboarding guy, right? Right, right, right. Um, so just surreal, and apparently there was, like, they had, like, skater music. And I was thinking recently, too, about how weird uh, ska was as a genre, just as sort of, like, a mismatch of things. Not in terms of sound, right? Because it sounds pretty, I don't know, just, like, high-energy upbeat, right? And I've right. heard enough of, like, ska or ska-adjacent stuff um, to sort of be used to how it sounds but as an idea combining big band sound and like sort of like rock or like outsider aesthetics to make like a big band rock pop that's for like skaters and like punks right it's like a weird you know i don't think about like trumpet uh <laughs> and it's also probably like the time right and but it's just like the aesthetic of it the fact that they there was like a lot of like black and white like checkered clothes for like ska Right. right? Like, just the, the things that associated almost, like, like sort of, like, late 90s, like, cartoons is sort of the, the aesthetic adjacency, right? Right, right. right. Uh, and for that to be, like, this weird, like, counterculture thing and for, like, skaters to listen to it um, <laughs> just strikes me as really bizarre. So that's one thing that I followed in the Olympics. And the other thing, uh, which we've talked about but I think would be worth rehashing here a little bit, is the stuff with Simone Biles. That was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's great for us to say right off the bat what our opinion is. And our opinion is that it's not our place to really talk about whether or not um, it was the right choice for her, because clearly she knows it was the right choice for right. her. So um, we can say generally, I think what she did was a cool thing for athletes, right? Yeah. Um, regardless of whether, like, what her choice was for her. Uh, and I, I'd also like to assume because she made the choice that it was the right choice for her, right. very clearly. Right, right, right. Um, and so it's weird, we were talking about it, and the discussion around it is really weird, that people feel like uh, they get 
to say something. Well, it's really polarized too, right? So the people that are saying stuff, yeah. the people that I, I feel like when I, I see their comments mm-hmm. and you see who they are, people who have compete, competed, mm-hmm. I wanted to say competed, but they competed yeah. at a high level of the Olympics, uh, especially high level gymnastics. Yeah. Or people who have had some experience in professional sports. Yeah. Seem almost unanimously to be supportive. Yeah, because it's a cool gymnasts. thing. It's a hard thing that she had to do, yeah. too. And I, and there's a funny thing, too, where there's people who are used to just, you know, um, giving their opinions. Yeah. Who maybe don't have the experience. Who have come up with some really, like, interesting, and by interesting I mean stupid, yeah. takes on the whole situation. Because... Uh, we're we're not invested in it as much as she is. Anybody who's saying that she should have competed for one reason or another has, you know, no or almost no stakes in it, right? I think right. the most stakes you could have, I guess, is if it was like a betting pool, right? Right. And then uh, if with her dropping out, if there was like a team, right? Her like team's gymnastics that right. you might not do as well. But right. it's so weird and presumptuous for somebody to come in and look at this person who has trained a huge amount, right? Who this is their life and their livelihood and their, you know, body, right? Like, this is what they do. This is sort of, they, they, and they're at the Olympics. They're at like the highest level. So they, like for months, these athletes have like, like breathed the sport, right? And then for them to go, oh, well, I think (laughs) that Simone didn't understand the stakes uh, and I think that she should have just participated, um, like she would have made that decision lightly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and well, there's a there's a whole variety of sp- specific style or categories of bad takes. I think. Yeah. So there's a kind that of say, well, she just doesn't like somehow that she's bad at judging the yeah. situation, like you said. There's some that are saying that she was being selfish because um, what she she should have just done it anyways for the good of the country. Yeah. And then, I mean, you can break, it's just, and the other one was saying that she wasn't strong for doing it, that she was weak for doing it. Yeah. That it shows, um, that, or, and, and the sort of that in-between compromise kind of take, which is mm-hmm. in a lot of ways just as bad, is that um, you, you, they don't mind, they, they try to pretend that they're sort of finding a middle ground. They say, yeah. I don't mind that she did it, but she should have done it before yeah. the, um, before arriving at the Olympics to give somebody else a chance. Yeah. And there's so many reasons why they're bad, but the, the easiest thing I think would be to take what sounds like the most moderate take and to give you a feel for why the, the worst ones are actually that much worse. So here's the point. They, they have a team mm-hmm. of gymnasts. They don't all compete. Mm-hmm. They have alternates. So it's not like they, at any point, they ran out of people yeah. to compete for the team. They had a substitute. Mm-hmm. And the there's this whole myth around the elite level athletes somehow that even 75% or 50% mm-hmm. of a great player is still better than a hundred percent of somebody who's maybe doesn't have as, as, um, what's the word I'm trying, I'm trying to think like so, so much, um, history or they don't have the reputation. They don't have the accolades. They don't have the uh, recognition. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's, it takes a pretty strong person to recognize that when you're not at your best, yeah. that there could be somebody who would be just as good as you or yeah. 
maybe as deserving or more deserving of mm-hmm. the chance, the opportunity to really shine. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about this in like when we talked about sports and how I said, I don't like watching like Eva May and there's certain sports that I can't watch right. where it's hard to watch people, uh, perform at such a high level that you can watch them sort of actively damaging their bodies in real time. Right. right. Uh, and I think that for, you know, somebody who's competing on the Olympic level, it's totally fair to make that decision to not want to do, if you're in a position where you're worried about hurting yourself or you're worried about jeopardizing, because there's a lot of things you can do that will jeopardize your livelihood, right? Like tweeting something really terribly offensive, right? Right, right. Um, But in terms of doing something that would jeopardize your livelihood and also your bodily autonomy at the same time is terrible, right? And I think that's, um, for it to be a little bit personal, I had a friend who um, went back home for a little while in university because they'd been a gymnast because one of their, uh, like, previous, like, colleagues, like, their teammates, their peers... Compatriots! Uh, at the, like, uh-huh. gym that they trained at literally died doing wow. something. They, uh, and it was terrible, and it was during, like, a something that was apparently really routine, mm-hmm. something that they had, like, people who, younger than teenagers, like, 12-year-olds right, right. did, right? Right. And there just was something about, like, a lack of commitment during the move. Uh, there was, like, a loss of, like, focus and place. And oh, they landed yeah. really unluckily. And they actually died. And so when Simone was talking about having, I forget what the twisties. term... The twisties, yeah. yeah. And losing her space like that. Uh, they are moving their bodies in a way where you need to know where you are. And there's a lot right. of ways that you could fall that you'd just be able to get over and right. walk away from. Right, right. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, ways for things to go wrong that would be totally okay. It's, you know, different sports have different levels of risk, right? Like right, losing, right. Right. right? If you if you bail out on that, I think probably has a higher, like, inherent level of risk, right? Right, right. Uh, In the same way that, like, if you're at, like, a gun range or something, like, a mistake could be a lot more, like, dangerous, right? Right, right. But, you know, being a gymnast... There's still a huge amount of risk. You're flinging your body. You're moving yourself wow. really hard and aggressively in a lot. You're for most moves and definitely anything at the Olympics, you're putting yourself in a position where if you bail out in the wrong way, you can hurt right. yourself really, I mean, really bad. Things are moving so fast that a lot of our right, proprioception is the, the sensation of where your body's position is or parts of your body's position is in space mm-hmm. without actually seeing it just by feeling it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the moves happen so fast that it's not even so much your your proprioception because a lot of it is that you've practiced it so yeah. much that you trust that based on the small amount of sort of sensory inputs that you're getting mm-hmm. over that really short period of time is helping giving help helping give you the cues to make the small adjustments that you need in space. Yeah. So when something goes wrong, the fact that she even landed that after bailing out of the move to me is pretty spectacular yeah um and so sorry and i i i was thinking realized i started on that thought about the the moderate position and why mm-hmm. it's wrong is that the the whole whole point is that stuff is potentially going to happen they've actually yeah. planned for this so if she if simone goes and then or any other gymnast goes and has a problem at the time they've got a bunch of people mm-hmm. and she she could have insisted that she would still perform perform she did not score well on that one vault vault if she kept on going she could have actually hurt the team more yeah. and it takes a really big person who's willing to overcome a huge amount of pride especially somebody who's as accomplished mm-hmm. um and as 
good, as great at mm-hmm. the sport as she is, to be be to have the ability to basically suck it up, yeah, and and acknowledge that hey, I shouldn't be doing this. this is, right now. It's better for everybody else if I just step away from the spotlight. Yeah, no, I think it was really great, and I think the reaction to it sucks too because what she did was something really hard, right? It's not something that people do uh, very often. And I think it has the chance to set a precedent for people to move in a healthier direction because I, you know, I know a lot of people have big stakes in the Olympics and I think there's nothing wrong with feeling a huge amount of pride or a huge amount of, you know, like swelling of support. And it can be really disappointing, right? For stuff to not go well. Maybe you feel like your country has like a worse chance of winning the Olympics now, right? Or, uh, you know, at the very least that event. But I feel like if you care about the idea of the sport and if you care about you know people being successful you what you should also care about is the health of the athletes yeah i think anybody who goes i really love the olympics and i'm watching this event or i'm like rooting for simone biles but i'm only rooting for it if she's willing to do stuff that she thinks is unsafe to see it through to the end no matter what right uh i think you're you're sort of missing it to me like that human aspect of that like empathy aspect of it right right um because if that's all you want to watch, you might as well be watching Stevie O doing jackass movies. Yeah. Is it? It's not Stevie O. It's Stevie O, right? I don't know. I, I don't actually, I don't watch yeah. those movies, so. No, so that was just something interesting. So, you know, I think we both can pretty clearly say that we support people yeah. making the best decisions for their well, own health. Stevie and I are in good terms. That's why. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Steven? No. Yeah. Steven O. Yeah. Something like that. Um. Oh, yeah. so just in general sports. So Olympics, I think because the stakes are high, there's always something interesting that's worth watching just because it comes out every few years. And this time it was, it's a five year wait. But yeah. There's probably not a lot of sports that I make a point of watching. Like if, if it happens to be on, there's a lot of stuff that I'm willing to watch if there's nothing better. Mm. Like when I'm working out, I like you to watch, watch baseball. Oh, I love, I love baseball. I was going to say baseball, I make a point of watching even yeah. when it's not the most convenient and, and basketball too. Mm-hmm. But other sports, I generally just watch because they happen to be on and say when I'm working out. Mm-hmm. And it's easy because sports, when, when there's something good on, I don't have to really pay attention. Yeah. Because if I miss it, they just have a replay almost immediately after that's got a better angle on it and does it in <laughs> slow motion. They can see really what's happening. Yeah. And I guess you can always, at a glance, see the score. You right. don't miss out on story the same way with most other stuff on TV. Right. Even exactly. within like a single like episode, if you exactly. just sit there and they'll, they'll rerun stuff from even earlier, right? In yeah. the downtime, if see, there's good plays in the whole. The, the one game. thing that I find that's really great about basketball actually is because there's so much scoring, even a bad team is going to score close to a hundred points. That's basically, um, and the, the, most teams t- on average take about 80 something shots each team. Mm-hmm. So you've got 150, 160, maybe even more chances yeah. each game for something potentially spectacular to happen. It's like the opposite of football, right? Where when they tallied up, the players spend like very, very little time actually like in plays. And most of like the hour time spot is spent doing other stuff. It's like something like 14 minutes or something. See, I don't know what actually, is it like, football? active play. I guess maybe. I don't know what the, the quarters and stuff are. I was thinking more actually actually of soccer not because soccer nothing not much is happening because it's much more easier to get invested Mm -hmm. in scoring and really sort of spectacular plays and in in basketball there's just so much scoring yeah and that even on defense there's the potential for really uh amazing displays of athleticism yeah yeah so that's that's what uh sports and olympic stuff yeah i think that's everything that 
has been in sort of my mind about the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so our next question comes from uh, Manuel Barboza, and they say, Hey, great vid. I've been watching your guys' videos, and I've just been wondering how you guys get so many power credits. And we get this question every once in a while. I yeah. think we answered it actually not too long ago, but it's but always... What was interesting, it, it, every once in a while I hear the same question and something else occurs to me, um, that it's funny that this is actually considered a lot of credits. It's not even close to being what would trigger a, a suspension. It is but easily it is attainable. It's I guess it's still a lot, but it's easily attainable for somebody who's been playing for, you know, five, six, seven years. Yeah. And at some point when you run out of stuff to buy you could i mean every once in a while i'll just buy through a, a a round of challenge just so that i can get to the uh to to, to unlocking the character or yeah. to um just to demonstrate a reset mm -hmm. for myself to make sure it works mm -hmm. just because it's faster that way yeah but um so what's funny but for most people not a lot of spend the thing is you you we've lost so much perspective because you say that but you know, with the state of the game right now, there's actually very little reason to build up a lot of credits unless you have everything, everything. Right, right, right. right. Uh, like, the most you'd want to build up is, I don't know, if you wanted to do a reset and you had, like, one character left that you wanted, you might want, like, one and a half million, maybe even three million if, like, you know, you just need, right. like, two characters left and right. you're like, I'm willing to spend, like, a couple million on packs and then reset if I don't get the specific character. Right. Uh, so this is a huge amount, right? Yeah, listen, for... it is. That's what. That's part of what made it interesting because every once in a while, I get, like I said, you hear the same question, mm -hmm. but it, it, something else occurs to yeah. me. And so the, I guess the other reason why this might feel like a different amount is because we were used to a time where credits were essentially free, right? We've spent time uh, at one time or another where there were glitches where you could just get as much money as you wanted uh, at like like orders of magnitude, like 10 or like 100 times faster than you could get it by playing. Maybe even more right. than that. Maybe like 1,000 times faster for some right. of them. When you're, when you're spending the price of one pack and getting like 50 and all you had to do was sell it, yeah. that was probably like hundreds of times faster than you could generate credits naturally um, grinding. Yeah. So, uh, you know, part of the reason why we have as many credits as we do uh, is because we've had accounts that existed when those glitches were around. So, you know, we've built up most of these credits just from grinding, but there were times where uh, we could fill out our roster and ha essentially skip spending credits that we were earning naturally right, and instead right. spend the credits that we were earning through glitches. Right. Uh, and I think balanced out because we've done so much like maintenance and work on multiple accounts right yeah, yeah. uh we've we probably earned enough that it's that that doesn't throw off the amount of credits we have here by that much right. from just earning right. them naturally but right. uh yeah it, it's just the the real answer is just we've been around a really long time and that means a couple different things but that's the i think at the end of the day you know it's a mix of glitching and just playing and yeah. having nothing to spend it on and all of those boil down to we've been here for a long time yeah we're, we're pretty old yeah yeah so there we go uh our next question comes from jose morales and they say or i guess this isn't a question this is a comment but they just say i find all flash characters weak now there are a bunch of different answers i actually responded in 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 that 
little chain and I said, listen, reverse flash disagrees with you. And I linked to our survivor video where reverse flash was probably the single most important reason why we we're able to complete survivor in that run yeah. for a few years back. Um, and it, I mean, so, so let's summarize the different flash characters, right? And when you say all flash characters, there's uh flash goals. There's the weakest in terms of stats, else world flash. Uh, and then you move up to reverse flash, metahuman flash, Earth 2 Flash and Blackest Night Flash, uh, Gold. Uh, and for Silver, you got Regime Flash. And for Bronze, you've got Flash Prime and New 52 Flash. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to disagree because there's actually, if you're just going straight by stats, mm -hmm. Blackest Night Flash is pretty good. If you're going by passive, Blackest Night Flash is really good. Uh, Earth 2 Flash is pretty good. Uh, Regime Flash is actually... For Silver, he's pretty good for the difference that he makes when he's teamed up with, say, Reverse Flash in terms of being able to do Infinite Juggle. Yeah. And so, the, and that sort of leads to the next thing where uh, it's more than just stats or passive, right? Because you've got a you've got a game where the characters in multiplayer are really important because there's matchmaking, and the matchmaking is in general pretty good. You're very rarely uh, completely outclassed by another team unless you're going into the last couple fights of an ultimate ladder, mm -hmm. and so. Even weaker characters are pretty good, lower stat characters, because you're going to get some play out of them. And they're fun. To, elsewhere, Flash, so much fun to play. Yeah. Especially when his bullet time uh, was was not nerfed. Yeah. So what is true of Flashes is that they tend to be a little bit of a glass cannon, right? And so in terms of feeling like they're weak, uh, that might be a sort of result of... Um, not being at a point where you're dominating the same way in terms yeah. of mechanics. If you're having trouble with the mechanics and you're sort of trading damage and hits back and forth, right? Right. Flashes will lose a lot of their luster, right? Mm -hmm. Depending mm -hmm. on how you play or where you're at with the game. Uh, flashes won't be very good if you're having trouble on that front, right. Right? right? And if you're, or even if you are pretty good, but you know, maybe your uh, ability to avoid getting hit by specials is not so good right. or switching out for specials. There's, you know, there's a right. lot of little ways that you could be uh, not getting a lot of value out of your flash. And in that case, you'd want somebody who's, you know, sort of more health weighted, right? Yeah. So that you can guarantee they'll be around long enough that you can actually do stuff with them. Right. Uh, so, but know. see, it, it, but it overlooks so much too. Like we've said this before, the fact that the flashes move as quickly as they do, that's huge. Like the speed of the basic attacks, the rhythm of the basic attacks, um, the a characters more than their stats or their passive. I mean, mm -hmm. if we're not looking just at flashes, I, I'll give you a few really good examples. Uh, Teen Titans Raven has a spectacular special too. And we've demonstrated a few times where because it's ranged, you can get get a special two as soon as you tag in. You don't have to worry about any of the hits of it missing. Mm -hmm. um, reverse flash, the juggle, where if you just give a little bit of a speed boost, whether it's with a regime flash or a special one, all of a sudden he's fast enough that he can do an infinite juggle and juggle somebody who's got bars of power mm -hmm. where normally they would be not only faster than you to start the special, but they would prioritize the speed of the special over the basics, except when you're reverse flash with one speed boost. Yeah. Um, Static, who's got a guaranteed stun on special one that's not listed. Uh, most other characters, if they do stun on a special, it's it's a chance of a, a stun. Mm -hmm. it, characters are so much more than their stats and their passive. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, our next question comes from Caleb Whitaker. 
<laughs> they say, I'm not a patron, but I figured the timing was good for this question since we just had the Arkham pack and AO Deadshot as it sees Aurora as well. I was wanting to know your thoughts on using AO Deadshot or AO Deathstroke as they both seem to fill the same niche, special one specialist. Then, in a more wider sense, how would you go about building an Arkham team, seeing as there are so many choices and none of the team comps seem to do anything the current best teams can't, especially Flashpoint teams? Maybe I'm just building it wrong, lol. And so the first thing I want to say for this is that, you know, you don't just have to be a patron to ask questions. Right. Um, you, we don't answer every single question. We read all the comments, but we don't always answer them. Right. And uh, that's just because, you know, in the same way we're, we'll put questions on this that we've seen a couple times, right? Right. Uh, we'll sometimes see questions, like, over the course of how long we've been doing this, like, dozens or hundreds of times. Right? Yeah. The same question over and over oh, yeah. again. And yeah. so sometimes you just don't want to answer the same question the same way again. And we've in the past done like videos uh, where we answer common questions right. uh, and like made a note of where those are so that we can just link people. Right. Um, I, I won't say that there's no advantage to being a patron in terms of questions because if you're a patron, uh, it basically guarantees you some form of answer if you ask. Right. Um, and we'll never we'll never just let it go. Even if we don't use it in video, we will respond. Yeah, we'll either respond yeah. in a message or respond in uh, in the video. And I think the reason for that is it's not even like, oh, you're paying us money, so we owe you this, right? Because we don't like owe anybody anything else. But I, when somebody's a patron and they're asking us a question, what that tells me um, without any doubt is that they're sort of invested mm -hmm. and that they care because right. when you get the same question a hundred times and it's either like a really simple answer or uh, we've answered it a billion times or we've answered it recently because we'll get questions like a week after we've, you know, answered something. Right. 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 Uh, then, you know, we have no way of knowing uh, if this person is just showing up and they just don't care. They're not, you know, they know nothing about us. They haven't watched any of our other videos, whatever. Or they're not paying attention. They just want sort of their answer to get in and get out. Right. Um, which, you know, it's that's fine if that's the type of person you are, right? If you're coming in, you don't have an obligation to uh, engage with our stuff, right? Oh, what happened? Oh. Okay. You don't have an obligation to engage with our stuff or stick around. And you can still have that question. You know, you could be a brand new player. You could, whatever your situation is, it's not unfair for you to ask, right? right. But in the same way that they don't have an obligation to uh to like engage with us. We don't have an obligation to answer them. Right. If they ask the same question 50 times. Right. I mean, so we just do it. You know, we, we answer a lot of stuff and we answer stuff that we've answered before. Um, but we, it, it's, it makes it a lot easier when we know that somebody is, uh, sort of coming in good faith. And it, we, we, it's a lot, it feels nicer for us when we're putting time and effort into answering somebody, when we know that they like our stuff. Right. So that's the other thing too, is that if somebody comments on our stuff a lot, right. And right. they ask a question, uh, I'm a lot less likely to skip past that one because, you know, I know that they're around. I know that they're sort of active and engaging. Right. And that says something too. And, right. you know, again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to dunk on anybody who doesn't do that. Right. Because right. that's fine. Right? right. Nobody has any obligation to us uh, right. at all. It's just saying for us that it makes it more enjoyable. It makes it more worthwhile to us right. to answer those questions right. uh, without, you know, passing any judgment on the person asking them. Yeah. So, so we should answer actually the... <laughs> It wasn't so that, even the actual question. Yeah, that wasn't the question. But anybody can ask a question whenever. And we we appreciate uh, the vast majority of questions. We even appreciate right. questions that we, we don't engage with because it's all engagement for us. Yeah, it still um, counts or something. But and, and we read everything. So you can always drop a comment for yeah. us. Uh, but for the question itself, right? 
Right. Uh, it's so, AO Deadshot versus AO Deathstroke, and then building an Arkham team. So we we did something new for people who are watching us instead of listening to to it as a podcast. What you're seeing is a team that we've used before. It was an Arkham Origins Deadshot team that was using him as a special specialist, and you saw the transition where we started off focusing on special two and switching to special one, like uh, Caleb said about how they make he makes a really good special one specialist. Yeah. First comment is I think AO Deathstroke when you're talking about similar. Um, Similar stats and, uh, you know, basically similar attack. If you can gear those the same, the one advantage Deadshot has is that there's way more splash damage. Um, now with the League of Assassin's Knives, you still get a ton anyways, but you're also getting the extra bonus from his passive. Um, so I don't know. It's Deathstroke. The advantage is you don't need any gears to max out his special one. If you hit the larger um, target in the mini game that slides up and down, mm-hmm. and the the thing is, I actually I don't know. I haven't played with Deathstroke in a long time, mainly because um, we played him a lot at the beginning. Yeah, and I think it's probably more important this question to talk about what makes a really good Arkham team, and what you're seeing is right here. None of them have Astro Harness, um, but you've basically got. Uh, a second chance with every single one of them mm-hmm. because Arkham Knight Batgirl, unless you screw it up and let her get knocked out before the other two guys are each person. And you saw that in the previous fight where killer frost came in with three bars of power, did a super and we didn't care because Arkham Knight Batgirl was going to come in and save Deadshot. Yeah. And she would not only stun killer frost, um, but she has boosted sun damage, both with cloak of destiny and with Necron Scythe. So it's double boosted. And the cool thing about that, what's even better, and there's been a couple of times where I get a, a little excited and try to do special one too early, and it, it, it stuns them and it whiffs on the kick. Yeah. They're still stunned after, though. Mm-hmm. So then even a basic combo does a huge amount of damage because they're stunned, and she's got the double boost, even without basic attack mm-hmm. um, gears. And so each of Arkham Knight and Deadshot, or Deathstroke if you want, Deathstroke instead, they all get a second life. She gets a second life because we're using Necron Scythe most of the time because she's going to knock somebody out at least once when she saves both uh, Arkham Knight and Deadshot. Yeah. So the the short answer to the question is, I think every Arkham team, the best Arkham team, has to have Arkham Knight Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And um, if Arkham Knight is, is, is interesting because his stats are relatively low. If you're able to use a combo ender with him, then he actually... Uh, rates quite a bit higher because he does more damage than he should for his stat. So he gets more hits in. Mm-hmm. So as a basic damage deal, he's pretty good. But what's fun is when you do the actual, the, the, the swipe combo where you do the two shots and then you don't finish off mm-hmm. and then you shove them back and you just keep on doing it and they get further and further away. I like that. That's kind of, I mean, it's not really that great. It doesn't really help you with the fight. I just like doing stuff every once in a while that's sort of goofy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I guess you could stick almost anybody else as your special specialist. We basically used Arkham Knight Batgirl with, say, Catwoman when you want to do damage over time, um, a team. And Arkham Knight Batman really is the most resilient. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you can use it for anything. Like, you can judge when, before, when you get into the fight, whether, or when you look at the other team, how you want to use them. You can use them as tank. You can use a special specialist. Yeah. You can use it as a basic damage dealer. And you can decide that 
um, before each fight, instead mm-hmm. of having to do it before you even start the ladder. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, so, I mean, that might be something that... Because um, you talk about... This is an interesting phrasing, too. Uh, none of the team comps seem to do anything uh, the current best teams can't, especially Flashpoint teams. Right. Uh, and so, you know, part of that is, like, yeah, like, the best teams are the best for a reason. Right. Right? So anybody else other than the best teams are, aren't going to be able to do better, right? The right. best they're going to be able to do is different in a fun way. Right. Um, or, you know, the same thing with pretty much the same success rate and maybe like right. a slightly different win rate. Because if they did everything, you know, the same, then it would be the best team. Right, right, right. right. Uh, almost definitionally. Because the best team is something that can handle anything, uh, doesn't really have weak points is, you know, good to go really fast and also, uh, impervious to, uh, little bits of mistakes, flexible. Right. Uh, and so this team, you know, the, the ability to have somebody fulfill sort of multiple team comp roles based off of how you play them. Right. Uh, and not just based off of how you gear them, that you can gear them in a flexible way. That's kind of cool. That's different. Right. I don't think the flashpoint team has that exact like role flexibility in it. So maybe that's what you're asking. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, no, you, you're never, no team is going to be able to do, uh, anything that the best team can't except for, you know, uh, if the best team is like not a damage over time team and then you do a damage over time team, right? Like they can, they can take a different route to sort of the best thing, but almost definitely by how you judge best, right? Uh, there's not going to be any other team that's going to be able to do something that it can't. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of time. I think we're probably not going to. Uh, we have one more question here just in case, but I think we'll save that for next week. Uh, we can fill this space with a little bit of talking. We're right, still so, really enjoying our Oculus. Oculus. Okay, I want to, just as a teaser. So it's a question from Sean RV Perfect Pattern. We're going to answer it next. It's about healing. Um, and it's actually more of an evolved answer than uh, I initially would have thought. So that's why we're saving it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're enjoying the Oculus uh, Quest 2 quite a bit still. Um, there's been, there's been a lot of things. It's sort of, uh, exposed us to a bunch of other stuff. The one thing not so great is I downloaded the Oculus app on my desktop because I was going to try using AirPlay so that I could stream from my desktop and get PC quality VR on my, uh, headset, which is apparently fine if you do it close enough to a router. Right. Um, which we were going to be doing, but it seemingly... Cause my computer to crash over and over and over again. It's interesting though, right? Like, so your computer was starting to crash. It hadn't occurred to either of us exactly what was happening, right? Yeah. And the troubleshooting is, okay, so when your computer starts giving you that blue screen saying critical error. Yeah. Then you have to think, okay, the first thing you want to ask is what's failing you. Mm -hmm. Is there a new piece of, it's more likely that it's something that's new that was added rather than something that was old that failed, although that can happen too. Yeah. So I uninstalled the Oculus, uh, that was the most recent software because it's the most recent thing I downloaded and then it is working fine now. Uh, which is weird because it was running in the background. I closed it from running in the background one of the times and it still crashed after that. Um, but then I, uninstalled it on the next go around and it totally fixed it uh so i don't i don't even know uh and it's still early days i guess it's not like i've been mucking around on it for an hour i could still hit an unexpected crash and have it bust uh but right now it's looking decidedly not broken which is good uh but we're we're still really enjoying it we got some suggestions from people uh 
we're still sort of working through the games that we're playing right now, like Super Hot and right. the Walking Dead video right. game, which we're we're enjoying both of those quite a bit. Right. So we'll we have those in the back pocket. Somebody asked uh, mentioned Vader, the Vader Immortals game, uh, which I've heard from a couple people, and then Pistol Whip, which yeah. is I've also heard from a couple people. So we yeah. appreciate those suggestions, uh, and we'll be looking at those. Yeah. But there we go. That and that brings us pretty cleanly to the end. So here at the end, uh, I like to give a shout out to Eliza Plant Based Popeyes Katen. She wants Popeyes to come out with a plant based sandwich so she can have her own sort of version of the Popeyes chicken sandwich. Mm. But I feel like it's this sort of cultural thing almost, right? Uh, because people have been talking about it. it. Started the the chicken sandwich wars, right, right, uh, and all that stuff. So it's this big event and. Uh, just a moment for all of our vegetarian friends who can't uh, enjoy the chicken sandwich worse right, the way the rest right. of us can. Uh, and this shout-out was brought to you by the desire to feel included. Oh. Which is totally fair. I like right? that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, we'd also like to give a huge thank you right at the end here as this last fight finishes to all of our lovely supporters on Patreon. And that would be Victor Gomez, Consul Peasant, and Ed Woon, who are supporting us at the highest tier last word. Cinemac, Muhammad Alpsh- and Muhammad Alpshady. Yeah, your message here, tier. I do that too. Yeah. Uh, Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Aaron Mall, Michael DeVries, Brandon C., Irvin Ruiz, and Eddie Dew, who are supporting us on the credit level. And Chris Wolf, Scarlett Danny, Awesome Gamer 2 for 1, Pavu RS, Gavin Malott, and Isfar E at the gratitude level. There we go. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.